Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hello, my name is Kat Clark, Senior Programme Officer for the Development and Employment Team at NHS Employers. Welcome to the second podcast in this series of podcasts on recruiting from your local community, where we will explore how NHS organisations can tackle their workforce supply challenges by making sure their recruitment is as open, accessible and wide as possible, looking at examples of how other organisations have looked into hard-to-reach communities to benefit their organisational structure. I am here with Anthony Cobley, Head of Inclusion, Engagement and Wellbeing at University Hospitals Birmingham, to discuss his Trust's bold and innovative approach to engaging with and recruiting from their local community. So Anthony, could you start by just talking me through the sorts of work your Trust has done to establish itself within the local community? Um, we've certainly taken the decision that we need to be looking at how we can position ourselves more in the community as a community asset. So not just about healthcare, but how we um, work with a local community and how we can provide services for the local community. Um, we've got food and clothing bank collection points in the hospital um, and we've become the biggest supplier of clothes to the local clothing bank. Um, we donated last year two and a half thousand meals and five tonnes of clothes um, and that's incredible. Staff like to know where their clothes are going, that they're helping local people. If staff are faced with a patient who on discharge needs clothing or needs support with their food, we can completely change their wardrobe and send them home with food vouchers or, or a food parcel. The unintended consequences of, of that are that we, the sorts of clothes we want are not the sorts of clothes that others want. So we've got a, a charity, local charity called SmartWorks that work with unemployed women to help um, get them into employment. They give them interview coaching and styling. And so the smart clothes that we don't use goes to them to help them get have an extra opportunity to get into work. So another unintended consequence, but that's helping the local community. So you've talked a bit about how you establish um, the hospital within the heart of the community, and it would seem that a really important way to establish yourself locally would be to be able to offer local people jobs. Is that something that you can talk a little bit about? We're very lucky here. We've got um, a building called the Learning Hub where we work with long-term unemployed people to bring them into work. We've got expertise in apprenticeships and training. So they've, they've run a number of programmes working with the over 50s, working with homeless young people. Um, we work very closely with one of the local um, schools here to bring young people into work experience to find out more about what it's like to be an AHP, what it's like to be a radiographer, to work in sciences within the NHS. There's a, there's a vast array. Just because your exam results just aren't quite good enough for you to be the doctor doesn't mean to say you can't be the biomedical scientist or can't be the radiographer. So we're opening up uh, work experience for, for a whole raft of, of young people just to get a better idea about what we can offer. But key for me are the disadvantaged groups. So for us, we have the sexual health contract for the city. And it just got me to thinking that why should we not be thinking about bringing sex workers off the streets and into employment? So we've started a, a small-scale programme with that. Personally, I think that the best way to get people out of poverty is to give them a job. And the NHS is a, a massive organisation and we've got huge potential to be able to do this sort of thing across the whole of the country. So Anthony, can you tell me a bit about how you've managed to adapt your recruitment policies to facilitate employing people from these marginalised groups? If you know somebody's coming from 
a place of, of marginalisation within society and you know that the chances are that they may well have encountered the law at some point, then the fact that they've got a conviction shouldn't come as any great surprise. You're not going to get five years of references and um, all the everything else that is recommended. Now, they may not fit the strict criteria we've got, but there are people who you can talk to. There are link workers, there are social workers, there's somebody from the home office. There are plenty of people who can vouch for people who are marginalised, who are not coming to us from a typical background that we would, we would expect. For us, we're honest with people. We ask them about their backgrounds and, and what problems and difficulties they might have got into. We certainly wouldn't put anybody in a position where they are a risk to any of our patients. But I think we've got a duty to help marginalised people get into work um, and get them back on their feet. And by doing this and looking beyond the sort of guidelines and restrictions that people traditionally might be used to, what have been some of the benefits that you've seen? I think the main benefit is that we are more representative of our local community than we are from just looking at the routine demographics of, of gender and, uh, and, and race. Um, having a workforce that looks like the community it serves to me is important. You need to see staff who have got learning disabilities, people in wheelchairs, people who come from different backgrounds who can better appreciate what a patient is, is going through. I think there are times when we can be a little ivory tower-ish, but we are dealing with real people in real situations, and I think the more our workforce represents people, the better. And so what do you think have been some of the biggest factors in um, your success in these initiatives that you've been talked about there? For me, it's really important that you've got high-level buy-in. Um, I'm very lucky that our execs are completely and utterly behind these, these projects. The high-level buy-in is essential because it does enable you when some of those naysayers pop up to be able to say, well, actually, this is the direction of the organisation, this is what the chief exec or this is what the chair has, has agreed. Um, but it's enabled us to do far more than we started off with. So if another trust was seeking to do one of these initiatives or to learn from your initiatives, what would you say were the practical steps that you took to get that buy-in? I would say start, start small and modest first, so you've got some quick, easy wins. I think then you build up a reputation as being somebody who can then deliver. Doing your research and seeing how it fits into the overall picture um, is, is essential. And also to be aware of the pros and cons of certain situations and present to the top team because they are hugely, hugely supportive. I mean, one of our values is innovation here at, here at UHB and you just need to do it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Give it a go, speak to people and, and just get on. Do your homework. Could you talk a little bit about any of the challenges that you had to overcome or tackle whilst you were trying to set up some of these initiatives or indeed run them? Our biggest challenge has been how to fund them how to get the resources to be able to deliver them. I think it's very easy to do projects and then them not be sustainable because you don't have, uh, have volunteer groups. Um, so it's the challenges of finding those people who are going to help you. Some will take you down blind alleys and it won't work, it just won't work at all. Others, you need to be thinking also, well, where's the sponsorship coming from? So some organisations won't be a right fit for the NHS. And so how have staff across the Trust taken on board these new initiatives? People have really risen to the, the challenge and, and totally get it, which I think is, is, is great. In fact, if anything, people have extended the first thought processes. 
So we work, for instance, for a, with a group called Autism West Midlands, where we've particularly identified within our IT and informatics teams roles that are particularly suited to um, young people on the autistic spectrum who academically are brilliant, but in the social circumstance find things very challenging. Um, and we've got one young lad who we literally didn't go through an interview process with. We put him into a work experience for six weeks and the work experience became the interview. He did extremely well, went into a fixed term contract and is now actually employed by us. And that's a pathway that we want to further develop and play to people's strengths rather than expose them to situations where we know they're not going to do well. That's great to hear that you've modified kind of application process for people so you can get the best from them. Is that something that you would encourage across the trust now? Yes, I think it's about matching the right people to the right jobs. Um, but then also encouraging managers to work with you. So for, for instance, in the informatics team, they really rose to the challenge. They developed the six-week programme. We talked about the principles and they made, it, they made it happen. So they made sure that it was really successful for this, this young man. Um, we've also talked with, with other colleagues about how we might improve, for instance, health and wellbeing. And one of the things our speech and language therapists and our dietitians came up with is a, a new programme that we've just recently launched to um, help our transgender staff. Um, a, with being able to build muscle safely. And our speech and language therapists have, have come up with a programme where we help people, um, transgender people, modulate their voices more appropriately for, the, for their gender. That just came as a by the by of a conversation. They rose to that challenge, they brought that up themselves. So I think if you develop programmes and start developing, you'll encourage other people then to build on those and make them better than they were in the first place. So I think you really need to take a punt sometimes on doing things because you just don't know where it's going to lead you. Are there any other community groups that you're going to be seeking to get into employment? Yes, I mean we, we really, really want to develop the programme with traffic people, uh, but in particular um, our cohort this week of Syrian refugees. Um, again, uh, just networking, talking to people about that, working with the local university. There's a student union group that supports refugees and they're going to come across and help um, the people that are coming to us with their language skills and socialisation. Um, again, working with the local community through the faith team to enable people not just to get a job, but also to be Im embedded in the local community, to go to the local church or mosque, find out what's going on, rather than be in their resettlement centre, isolated away from everybody else. And finally, what would be your advice for a trust that was seeking to better engage and recruit from its local community in some of the ways that you've talked about? Research your community, find out who they are, speak to the local authority. They've often got lots of people that know exactly who's who, where they are, what they're about. So you need to get out from behind your desk and go and speak to people and find out what the issues are and act as a conduit. It takes time, it takes resources to be able to do that, but you need to ask people what it is they want and then be responsive. Thanks for that, Anthony. That's been really helpful. In the next episode, we'll be looking at positive action and hearing from Jagtar Singh, Chair of Coventry and Warwickshire Partnership Trust, about the ways positive action can be used in recruitment and retention. We look forward to the next episode, but until then, thanks again, and if you want any more information and resources on how to recruit from your local community, visit our website at nhsemployers.org.
www.yourcommunity.org forward slash your community.